I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Wins and Losses with Clay Travis. Clay talks with the most entertaining people in sports, entertainment, and business. Now, here's Clay Travis. Welcome into a special Wins and Losses podcast. Maybe even want to call it a quarantine uh, edition because... One of the things people have been doing in massive numbers as they have been quarantined around the country is watch a lot of streaming shows. And right now, as I'm speaking, the number one show in all of Netflix, which is sweeping across the nation, is a show called Tiger King. The title is Tiger King. Tiger King. Uh, it is. Uh, it is an unbelievable show. And uh, and there are so many different directions to uh, to go with it. Uh, but we bring in now. Uh, the best possible person, I think, to break down this show with me, Mississippi State head football coach Mike Leach. Coach, has it gotten used? Have you gotten used to being called Mississippi State head football coach yet? Yeah, I've come close to misfiring once or twice, which that happens. And <laughs> you know, once in a while, uh, you know, Texas Tech can find its way towards the surface too. Uh, but uh, no, it's uh, exciting to be a part of the Mississippi State and. And, uh, you know, and we're just looking forward to getting started, but trying to make the most of this time, uh, you know, here that we have off, whether it's, uh, you know, read more, attach the family more, learn something, uh, exercise a little, eat healthy. I'm on an eat healthy kick, um, watch interesting shows and one show that is not a waste of time at all. I mean, there may be some parents out there that may think it is. But uh, Tiger King is well worth your time because everybody, I think, you know, wonders, uh, you know, what exactly the boundaries, the dimension of the human experience is. 
And this one definitely explores that. Amen. That's so well said. And so let's start here. If you had, I want to, so for people out there, uh, I'm assuming almost everybody has watched it. So obviously there are lots of spoilers here. So we're talking for an audience. If you haven't watched the Tiger King uh, yet and you've downloaded this podcast, you probably should stop right now, go watch it and then come back and listen. So I'm not going to say spoiler alert. We're just going to talk as if you have watched, uh, if you're listening right now, all of the different episodes. So let's start here. Uh, Did you find Joe Exotic to be a likable guy. I mean, this is essentially the story of Joe Exotic, a guy who starts a uh, runs a wildlife park in uh, Winniewood. I didn't know how they pronounced it exactly, but Winniewood Exotic Animal Park. Um, and we start off following him, and uh, obviously we see his ups and downs, and it ends with him in prison. But did you find him to be a likable person? Uh, likable would be quite strong. Yeah. Uh, Charismatic, yes. Uh, Likeable, no. Uh, 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 I think a guy that uh, his intelligence and innovation was constantly underestimated. Um, I think that uh, it is not a show of likable people. Uh, uh, You know, there is not a bunch of likable people on here. Uh, I like the Tigers the best. And then uh, (laughs) second best... uh, the young lady that got her arm cut off seemed to be the the one quiet but uh, solo voice of common sense. Yeah, you know that it's a crazy show when the the, the girl who got her arm t- torn off and went back to work like five days later seems like the most realistic of all of them. So I'll say this. If you had to work at one of these animal parks, if you had to work for Joe Exotic, Doc Antle, uh, or, uh, or you had to work for Carol Baskin – which of the these are the three people who run the animal parks and what's ironic of course as you watch is there isn't a whole heck of a lot of difference between them although carol baskin tries to make it out like her situation is so much different than these guys in the grand scheme of things she has a lot more in common with them than she does not in common which of the three do you think you would prefer to work with uh, I think Joe Exotic would be the most exciting. Yeah. I think the the most stable would be um, uh, the fella Attell or whatever his name is in South Carolina. Yep. Um, I think that, um, you know, Carol Baskin, we're still trying to sort out whether or not she murdered her husband, and there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that she did. But that thing on its face is a fraud because – um, not only are they in the tiger showing business, um, but they, uh, uh, they're not in rescuing. They're in a, uh, you know, they're in a profit motivated, uh, show the tigers, uh, just get them for free business. And, um, and so, you know, it's, uh, that whole thing in my mind is kind of based on a lie, a number of lies. Um, um, they have, it, it seems to me they had the worst pens of the three, um, you know, so it's it, once the Tigers get there, it, I don't even know that there's uh, quite as well taken care of as far as uh, space and resource. But um, and that's hard to compare based on the show. But, um, you know, uh, the one thing that, that was notable at the beginning, there's this big, heavy guy, a unique looking guy, um, big, heavy guy that says, you know, in the in the exotic animal industry, there are 
you meet all kinds of people, and these people are different. He says the monkey people are a little different, he says, <laughs> but the big cat people will stab you in the back in a second. And um, the uh, and they did. I mean, it's a constant uh, seven-hour series of people stabbing each other in the back. Uh, you know, pretty narcissistic group uh, to the point where there's not really room for anyone else. And, uh, and, and, you know, the one thing that was unique about it is whether you go Joe or uh, Mr. Attell or Carol Baskin, they all just thrived and craved attention, no matter hardly what form they got it in. And then um, the other guy that I would like to know a little more about, how about the, the reporter guy, the Hunter Thompson-looking guy with the hat? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that you know he knows the producer the yeah buried. yeah yeah but his material got destroyed um uh you know kind of a guy in the shadows that uh anyway so um it was a show that um okay so it's very quentin T- tarantino real life so think quentin tarantino real life things so extreme and so over the top if you were to make a real movie out of it, like a movie, a commercial movie, um, you would have to take the edge off of a few items and a few coincidental things and a few things that happened in order to make it realistic enough that the audience doesn't laugh you out of the cinema. But the thing is, I mean, right before your eyes, all this stuff really happened. So you're mentioning uh, – so there's several different things I want to kind of dive into. So let's – I, I want to start with this question. You have worked in some eccentric places, right? You worked at Texas Tech. You worked at Washington State. Now you're at uh, Mississippi State as a head coach. Have you ever known a booster or somebody who was a big supporter of one of your athletic teams that had a tiger or had a lion or had a setup like this? You know, a lot of rich people that decide, seems like drug dealers are always deciding to go get, uh, to go get uh, animals like this. Pablo Escobar had his own uh, menagerie, you know, down in uh, Colombia. Have you ever known anybody oh, who was... Felix, Felix in Mexico did, because I watched Narcos also, Felix in Mexico did. That's right, that's right. And, uh, yeah, how about that? And these guys, uh, awful lot of drug guys in this thing, too. A lot of drugs. And yes. I don't know what it is about tigers and drugs, but, um, yeah. Uh, Have you ever known a booster who had, like, a, a big collection of animals like this? You ever go to somebody's house and think, my God, I can't believe, you know, th- this guy lives in a place like this? Um, no, I have not. Um, uh, one time... And I don't know Ted Nugent, but um, uh, twice there's been a little bit of talk of going hunting on Ted Nugent's ranch, uh-huh. um, which I've never done. But, you know, his is a big ranch and mainly the the kind of the game animals, the hoofed game animals, you know, is kind of some of the business he does. And then, um, but uh, no, I can't say that I have, uh, you know. Shoot, so the people I know, I might add the most exotic pet of all of them. Um, uh, I had a raccoon when I was a kid, but um, oh, okay, here's one for you. Um, uh, and sadly, the monkey died uh, pretty much of old age, I believe. Um, 
Yeah, my friend Pat Knight, uh, Bobby Knight's son, who was the basketball coach at Tech uh, when I was there, remains a good friend. <clears throat> bought a place in Panama City, uh, bought a house, and in between these two houses was a dock. And um, on the dock was a world-class tiki bar just that the neighbors used, okay? And they would just go out there and watch the world go by and hang out at the tiki bar. And there are all these regulars that had been going there for years, which Pat kind of connected to. And, uh, and then of course they had, you know, free permission to come and go from the monkey bar. And they helped out looking after his house in between times. And they had this monkey there, this kind of orangutan type of monkey. And the monkey just lived there in the monkey bar and, let him out of his cage and have drinks. And, you know, there was the monkey. And the monkey lived in the monkey bar for years, years before Pat even got there. And uh, so he, uh, you could say that he sort of had a monkey for a while, although that monkey was all well on his way to being taken care of and had a lot of uh, well-wishing handlers around him. Did you visit and, and hang out at the Tiki Bar at some point, or did you just hear about it? I've always wanted to, and I'll start thinking about it, getting excited about it, have him send pictures of the uh, the monkey bar. Uh, the hurricane got the monkey bar. Then they rebuilt the monkey bar. Uh, it is kind of a bucket list item to uh, go uh, hang out with Pat Knight at the monkey bar. Uh, and Pat's in Vegas now, but in, I don't think he gets to the monkey bar as much as he'd like, but uh I would definitely like to check that out. The monkey's gone, though. Yeah, well, in Panama City Beach, that's not far. I mean, you have to shoot me a text, uh, I'll go too, because that's close to where I'm down on the beach a lot down there as well. All right, so here's my first question, because I was talking to my wife. We were watching this together, and they're like, uh, you know, Carol Baskin's talking about how awful Doc Antle's place is and also Joe Exotic's. And I'm assuming Doc Doc Antle's place is still open. I kind of want to go. Uh, I, I mean, I, I want to go visit this place because having watched it, you know, Joe Exotic's place is clearly shut down, and I, I didn't really like Carol Baskin. I wouldn't want to give her any money. But I kind of would want to go to the Doc Antle place. Would you be, if you were in South Carolina and you were close by, would that be something that you were interested in doing, going to visit the Tiger Park? I probably would. I mean, and it, now there may be lines out the door with the Oh, no doubt. It's the best advertising the he could get. Yeah. Uh, they said at the end, you know, the caption at the end that uh, it may or may not still be in operation, but in um, his look to be kind of the highest cleanest and the yeah. best, uh, the best organized, you know, and, and he did seem to be, well, okay, now he's got some wild proclivities too. <laughs> uh, I lost track of how many wives, but um, yeah. And he puts them all to work. You know, if you go to work, you do a good job. You get to be one of his wives. And then, um, uh, yeah, but it it it, it kind of looked like uh, he was sort of organized, knew what he's doing. Where Joe Exotic, you know, he got into a lot of things. You know, ran for all kinds of public office. Uh, and the, and then, of course, the I'll tell you the best scene in the movie. The best scene in the whole movie is uh, where. You know, he catches on or gets some information about Carol Baskin uh, allegedly or possibly murdering her husband. 
And then he does a song, fancies himself as a country western. Oh, it's singer, unbelievable! Yes, does hear Kitty Kitty, <laughs> and it's a video. It's a video where he portrays her feeding her husband to her tigers. Yes, it's an incredible music video. I mean, his music in general, I think, might become incredibly popular now. Because the videos themselves, I mean, you can't even make up the ideas of stuff that he came up with in so many different respects. I mean, Mike, the 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 eulogy, the eulogy that he gave for one of his two husbands, Travis, who tragically shot himself, I was like, this is the most unbelievable. And then he started singing. I was like, this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. And I was watching, and there are probably a lot of young single women who have watched this too. And they're probably thinking to themselves, wait a minute, Joe Exotic convinced two straight men, three straight men, at least two straight men, to marry him. And there's a lot of single women out there like, I can't even get a man. And somehow Joe Exotic got a couple of men. I mean, I I don't even understand how that happened. Well, it sounded like drugs was a big part of it. Well, that could be be a big part of it. So prison and drugs, you know, it's like... uh, you need somebody that needs you more than uh, you need them. So you get these guys got out of prison and then, um, and then, uh, you know, load up and fuel their drug habit. And then the mixture of firearms with it, he had it all together. He had it all combined, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and drugs. And then um, insects, all the vices, all the vices, uh, uh, you know, uh, culminate all together, and then, um, and then, uh, and the 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 uh, well, and you know, he's a one-stop guy. You got pizza with uh, uh, outdated meat from uh, Walmart. That you scene, got, I think uh, that's the. I think that's maybe the most amazing scene in the whole thing, where they pull up the outdated meat truck from Walmart, and the customers, sorry, the the employees go through it first and find out the stuff that they like the best. And then they throw the rest into a big dumpster, basically, to go take and feed the tigers. I mean, that that scene is like you couldn't make that up. And then they decide to get into the pizza business, and they start serving pizza with uh, expired meat from Walmart. And and don't forget that they're in the underwear business, too. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about the underwear. You know, it, it was the ultimate Bill Murray scene, you know. I seldom wear underwear. If I do, it's usually something <laughs> unusual, you know, and, 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 you know, chicks dig me. Well, uh, um, and Joe made it clear, uh, he never, he never wore underwear, but he would sell some tiger looking underwear, you know, kind of, uh, uh, marble sack style underwear. And then, uh, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that I felt like I missed on the thing that I definitely wanted to see, is I wanted to know all the stuff they were selling in that souvenir shop. And I'd freeze it. I'd try to check out, try to figure <laughs> out, you know, beyond T-shirts. And then underwear, he showed us that himself. And you know that the uh, his uh, country music videos were for sale there. But I, I, <clears throat> I wanted to know what all that shop entailed, too. All right, let's start with each of the Tiger people, right? I just want to talk about each of them individually here. Carol Baskin, Doc Ansel, we've talked a little bit about him already, Joe Exotic, but let's start with Carol Baskin. Carol, like the bop, like, so this, this show in general, it's crazy and it just keeps building on the layers of crazy. And when they said, I don't remember if it was the end of episode two or episode three, where they're like, oh yeah, Carol Baskin, she killed her husband. Like that was the accusation they made about him. 
that was an unbelievable bombshell to just get thrown into the show, right? Because it was already crazy enough. And, and, they somebody, already... and you wonder who fed uh, Joe Exotic that information that he capitalized on, which you got to believe it was uh, her, uh, her uh, husband's family. Yeah, I mean, and so what do you think ha- – so in general – if you, and you know, you've, you've watched murder mysteries forever, you've seen the 48 hours, you know, all the murder investigations, everything else. If somebody is a multimillionaire and they disappear and no one knows where they went and somebody else is inheriting millions of dollars, potentially tens of millions of dollars, it was unclear exactly what his assets were worth. It's almost like 99.9% chance that the person who is inheriting all the money in some way, like it's in other words, what I'm saying is it would be incredibly uh, rare for someone who has threatened, according to a police report, to kill her uh, husband already for somebody who has been talking about getting a divorce for that guy to truly just disappear and for her to have nothing at all to do with it and know nothing about it seems to strain the uh, the limits of credulity. Would you agree with that in general? Can't prove it, but it definitely seems highly improbable that that would be the case. Well, one question I had is how does he get his pilot's license and then lose it the same day? That was weird. Uh, and, then, um, and then she did lay out a scenario of... Uh, flying over the Gulf and him getting shoved out of a plane and how she would know that or even think of that. And then, um, uh, and then of course, Joe exotic thinks that she, uh, fed him to the tigers or put him under the, the, uh, the sewer or whatever it was like, put him under, put him under the sewer. And then, um, and then, you know, as, as Carol, uh, would talk and evade, and, and, and I don't want to get political with this at all, but if she would talk and evade, um, I couldn't help but think of of one, maybe more uh, recent politician. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, I got blown up with, that, that people said that Carol Baskin rem- reminded them a ton of Hillary Clinton. But remember, the way she met this guy, first of all, she broke up his marriage. Okay, now he may not have been a great husband anyway, but the way they met, according to her story, was he was driving down the road late at night. She was walking uh, She was walking along the side of the road. He pulled up beside her and tried to get her to get in the car three different times and then finally said, you can hold this gun and point it at me. And they just drove around and talked all night and then they ended up sleeping together and he left his wife for her. That has to be yep. you've heard, you've heard a lot of reasons and a lot of ways that people have met. You know, when couples get together and they're like, "Well, how did you guys meet?" I was walking on the side of the road. He picked me up, gave me a gun, told me I could shoot him, and instead we ended up getting married. Has to be one of the most unbelievable uh, couple stories of all time. Pickup line and aphrodisiac uh, of all time. Okay, um, here we'll drive around and you can point a gun at me. Okay. How about that? I mean, uh, no, you don't see that every day. And so they end up getting married and they're together for a long time. And she sort of slowly and, and, and it seemed like, uh, you know, they told her story a little bit. She obviously had a sort of a tortured background as a, uh, as a young girl, but it certainly seemed like, and again, it's not just him, the, the two daughters, the, the former, the ex-wife, all of them basically said straight up they believe that she killed him. 
Yeah, and they think Carol's uh, family, it was perhaps... Uh, Her dad maybe a cottage, as well. Uh, uh, dad and brother, perhaps a cottage industry. I don't know, but, um, uh, you know, they you start with following the money, and, and, and then, of course, there's no body, so then that uh, makes the evidence portion difficult. But um, you, you don't leave that show feeling like she's innocent. Um, no. And then... Uh, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, and how about this? Okay. Um, all three of them loved getting married. Carol loved getting married. Joe exotic loved getting married and doc loves getting married. Uh, nobody loves getting married like the big cat group. <laughs> That's a good point, and I think it goes to your uh, sort of character analysis, which is these people just want so much attention, and the uh, the Tigers bring them that level of attention that maybe they can't find otherwise. Now, on Carol, in addition to the fact that she may have killed her husband, that he's vanished and nobody knows what happened to him, the guy that she ended up marrying seemed pretty weird, didn't he? Like, I mean, even, like, putting the, the, the like, she had him on a chain, the walking him around, like... He seemed like a pretty weird dude too, didn't he? Yeah, very uh, all kinds of bondage images uh, uh, run through your mind with uh, Carol on top and uh, possibly putting him in a cage. Uh, all kinds of uh, you know, um, uh, pretty, pretty wacky well, you, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't help but think of uh, wacky sex, uh, sexual proclivities with regard to this. Clearly, she wants to, uh, seems wants to be a dominator, and this guy's just uh, seemed like kind of a meek, uh, subservient guy. Yeah, whatever you say, whatever you say, uh, you know, maybe a mask involved, which oh, they did have masks. We already know masks are involved, but uh, uh, yeah, all the stuff, you know. Uh, all right, so anything else about Carol Baskin that stood out to you? And obviously the lawsuit, I mean, you're a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. Um, you know, it was clear that Joe uh, Joe uh, was Joe Exotic was trying to antagonize them. And again, they had the resources either because of the money that they were bringing in through Big Cat Rescue or because of the money that she inherited from her husband to basically be able, you've seen this happen before, where when somebody has the legal chops to be able to go after somebody else, they just they just kind of open up double barrels. I mean, he said he spent, uh, I think the, the subservient husband there, said they spent over a million dollars in legal fees. I mean, that's crazy when you consider what was at stake in their dispute. Well, there's that and the fact that it probably wasn't her money to begin with. But, um, and then... Uh, but no, uh, Carol, a uh, constant agenda person, uh, uh, a predator, almost like those tigers, uh, thinking one step ahead and uh, well down her list of saving tigers. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt at all about that. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking to Mike Leach. I'm Clay Travis. This is a wins and losses podcast focused on uh, the new hit Netflix series that everybody is watching during the quarantine. Uh, and that series is, of course, uh, Tiger King. Um, all right, so... Carol Baskin uh, ends up bankrupting basically Joe Exotic and setting everything off into a uh, into a, 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 sp- a spiral. Then you got Doc Antle. We talked about him a little bit. You said you'd you'd go visit the 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 the, the Tiger Place. I said I would go. Um, it appears that he's still open and in business. Um, and he basically has a tiger cult that it appears that he's created where all these young, attractive women come there and work, and he ends up marrying them. The one thing we didn't get from him is. Did we get a sense for how many kids he has? They showed one didn't or get two a kids. Sense of, didn't get a sense of kids. Uh, he seemed to have a cleaner, well-organized place. Uh, the other thing that's amazing is how obsessed these, because this tiger business is a lifestyle. I mean, you're, it's kind of, you're 24-7 in the tiger business, and the most amazing thing is uh, how low the wages are. You've got to love yes. living in a trailer or a shack and uh, getting up and feeding and walking tigers every day in order to do this because, you know, those tigers uh, got to eat. And, um, and uh, you know, the uh, uh, no, it's a lifestyle that it looks like these people get consumed and obsessed with. And I think that clearly other people could, too. I mean, if it, you know, attracts uh, 
it, it's almost it, it, it's kind of like pain pills. You know, I know people uh, that haven't been able to kick pain pills, and then you know, then there's others that are like me and my daughter, for example, and she's a doctor. We've never gotten through a bottle of pain pills. You know, you take a a, a pain pill, you get something where you take a pain pill. And I can't sleep on them. You know, my my eyes go half mass, and I end up staying up all night watching TV. I feel like I'm two sentences behind, and uh, just get tired of feeling like that. Like um, I can't think quickly, and I've never finished a bottle. I've maybe made it to three of them uh, before I just uh, you know go through whatever pain I have and take Tylenol, but. I think this tiger business is like that, that some people can get addicted to them. And, um, and, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of times they're people that are looking for something and just want, like certainly, uh, Joe exotics, people were looking for something and just wanted somebody to love them and to be a part of something important or that they felt was important. And so we're willing to sacrifice everything else to do that. Um, and then, um, some similar things with doc, um, now doc's group seemed to be a happier group for what we saw. And then, um, they, uh, and of course he did not trust Carol Baskin at all. And then, uh, and then it, it seems like that his, uh, uh, Joe might've been one of his protégés. And then, um, um, the other thing that I was curious about, and they did not suggest any of this, none of them did, as far as getting attacked or wounded by a tiger, just some tiger twisting off. Yeah, and I expected that. We had the one person who, day. yeah, right. I mean, they showed the one scene where Joe gets attacked and he blamed him for putting like perfume on his shoe or whatever it was. And then we obviously knew the, the, the employee there who was maybe the most realistic and normal of Joe's employees got her arm torn off. But in general, it seemed like they were surrounded by tigers quite a bit, and the stories of the tigers kind of going Siegfried and Roy on them or whatever didn't seem common. Uh, by the way, Doc also changed the names of all of the women. Remember, they they changed their names to sound more exotic. And then the one girl that they got out of basically said, hey, this was a cult. She got out of it. She said that he also got her uh, breast implants. Like they were paying the girls a hundred dollars a week or whatever craziness she was saying they were getting paid but then they also said hey if you get breast implants you get extra days off to recover i guess because he thought that aided that added to the overall ambiance of his uh, of his brand and uh but but that in and of itself was a crazy detail that i feel like among so many other crazy details it didn't even get explored that much it was just like something hey oh here's another crazy thing and then you skip off in another directions well there were so many details there it sounds like it because you could have done, you could have done a seven-hour documentary on any one of these. Oh, there's and, no and, doubt. And, and, and if they branch off and do them, I'll watch them too. Yeah. And and uh, the uh, you know you, you, everything from uh, the murder investigation with Carol and where all those uh, donations for Tiger Rescue are going while the doors are open and. And she's uh, doing the exact same thing Joe Exotic and Doc are with regard to the commercial uh, interest in the tiger business. And then, uh, uh, and then the other amazing thing is, is, and the one guy touched on it, but 
And uh, can't they transplant some of these tigers to the wild if we have a shortage of them? I mean, can't we yeah, load them I, on a I barge? Want, I, I totally wondered about that, too. Because they said in the opening, they said that there are more 4,000 in the wild, 4,000 yes. in the wild, and something like seven to 10,000 in the United States. That's right. So there are more privately owned tigers in the United States than currently exist in the wild. That's one of the most unbelievable stats I've ever heard. Uh, all right, let's go, to, uh, let's go to Joe Exotic. So we start off the, the program, obviously, with Joe Exotic and his, uh, and his zoo there um, and so many different directions that this thing goes in. Uh, but Joe has a double marriage uh, to, uh, to two other men, neither one of whom is claiming that they're actually gay. So that's an unbelievable well, story both, to begin with. Both insisting that they aren't gay. Yeah, right. Both that's what I'm saying. that they, they, they aren't gay and then wanted to keep Joe happy and wanted meth. Yeah. You know? So, so it's, it's, that's an unbelievable aspect of this story. One of them commits suicide. They have the funeral. And it was one of the most cringeworthy, awkward funerals I've ever seen where he's... Do, uh, do, you, do you think he deliberately committed suicide? Well, we did, the only thing we saw was the video. You think maybe he was just trying to draw attention? It seems... No, nah, well, because what I'm thinking, because it sounded like he would play with guns yeah. all day, play with uh, uh, the ATVs all day, uh, play with guns all day, you know, just kind of have a free-for-all and play camp there at the Tiger because it didn't sound like he did much work. But he loved flashing around guns and taking drugs. And I think it's possible that as you're playing, and he'd play pranks with loaded guns, like point yeah. them at people and everything else, which when I was a kid, you didn't even point a dart gun at somebody. Oh, yeah. And then, um, um, uh, you know, as he's all hopped up doing this, did he just forget that the thing was loaded and carried his stick a little too far and, and uh, accidentally shot himself through the head. I don't know. I, I that. think that I think that's more likely than. I mean, it's hard to know because we saw, you know, however many minutes of his life that it was, but it didn't seem like there wasn't a suggestion that he had previously tried to commit suicide or anything like that. But I don't know that I've ever seen a eulogy or that any eulogy has ever existed in all time where part of the eulogy is about how the guy liked to put his balls on everybody's face. You see that? that, like Joe, that yeah, that eulogy was a lot more about Joe Exotic than it was the 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 the, the departed. Oh, there's no doubt. And then he finds a new boyfriend, like two two months later, who is uh, who's another younger guy. Like I I don't even understand how that was possible that he met uh, that he met on the internet. Uh, so Joe is there, and then my favorite character of all that was at Joe's place was his campaign manager. The campaign manager that, that he met at the Walmart in the ammunition aisle was, I think, one of the most unbelievable characters in this uh, in this entire episode. Joshua Dial. Uh, he, I would like uh, he, to know more about him. I, I thought he was incredible. Um, he had some of the best lines in the whole place, and he and he thought he was really going to run a campaign that he met the guy who's running for office in the uh, in the. Uh, <laughs> in the actual Walmart ammunition aisle. And I've got a great quote from him, but I, you had to be, as a guy who is, uh, who's uh, probably got some libertarian leanings in general like I do, you had to find that guy to be just a little bit entertaining in general, right? Oh, he was outstanding and also seemed like a, uh, a fairly intelligent guy, uh, although a little off base. Um, uh, and I wonder if he's running campaigns somewhere in the state of Oklahoma right now. Um, 
but uh and then uh it would be interesting to know more about him and uh it's almost like uh a breaking bad series that 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 happens even more quickly um more suddenly uh with even more bizarre twists and turns and um but yeah he he sounded like a guy that just wanted to run campaigns and uh and, and, and the one thing uh, uh about Joe Exotic is he did have the ability uh to put an umbrella over people and motivate them various uh directions for his self interest and uh and had quite a menagerie of them he he had the great line uh, the campaign manager did. I'm a libertarian. Like he went through this whole lineup of things. I'm a libertarian, so fuck the government. Uh, that was the campaign manager. I mean, there were some incredible lines that he broke down there. Uh, but in a in a show full of crazy characters, he was definitely one of the most unbelievable of them. Uh, and, and then so as if we weren't having enough that's going on there, uh, all of the, and there are a lot, like you, you mentioned, uh, guys who, and, and girls who are looking for a place. They said he hired a lot of these, uh, a lot of former convicts, a lot of people with a lot of other, without a lot of other options. So ultimately he ends up in a problem because he brings in this guy, Jeff. Now I don't know how Jeff in and of itself, I thought another of the most remarkable details was they decided they were going to have a Las Vegas bus service where you could go from one place to another and they would have baby tiger cubs that you could hold and they got somebody to invest in it and then it didn't didn't work very well. It's one of the most unbelievable business ideas I've ever heard. Yeah, it sounded like strippers and baby tigers. (laughs) And, And then, of course, you know, and so that guy's a swinger, you know, and he's got, uh, uh, his, his, his wife who, um, and I don't know if she led the charge on that or he did, I have to suspect him. And then, um, you know, getting, uh, now he's the one guy that didn't marry every, um, love interest that he ran into and, um, but, uh, wasn't going to be deprived nevertheless. And then, uh, well, in in the end, which without any real evidence, but a lot of people on the show think he's just a straight con man and again a convict. And then um, uh, it'd be interesting to know where he is now. Well, what's crazy is there are so many things that are insane in this show that putting baby tigers into uh, luggage and rolling them through Las Vegas casinos. I was like, yeah, totally. I can totally see that happening. It didn't even like most of the time. If you found out that somebody you knew was doing that, that would be the craziest detail you've ever heard. It didn't even factor for him. I mean, at the end, the girl that he's with is having a baby, and he's talking about how he picked the best-looking nanny possible uh, to, uh, to to be with them. So, but he shows up at this car park in a Ferrari. Now it was a rented Ferrari, but I don't even you you were in Oklahoma for a while. I mean, how is it possible that a Ferrari even ends up there? And then somehow he ends up in control of this wildlife park and they're starting to build a new one and he decides he's going to send Joe Exotic to jail. And, I mean, the whole thing is just crazy. I still don't understand how he escaped charges and how the other guy did uh, as well. It sounded to me like they just decided they were going to set up Joe Exotic for doing something other than the you know murder for hire, but he'd been talking about that wildly for a long time. But the selling of the, of the Tiger Cubs and everything else, it sounds like almost everybody does that. 
Well, they all turned on him except for his most recent husband or wife yes. or whatever he called. And then um, the uh, – and one thing I've always loved about Oklahoma, like when I coached there and stuff, first of all, you can get a Ferrari somewhere in Oklahoma because there's a lot of money in Oklahoma. Now it goes all extremes. There's uh, a certain amount of poverty, but then there's over-the-top money. Oil money, and then, right? There's a lot of oil people still in Oklahoma. Yeah, and some of them land people too. But the um, and the thing that was always fairly captivating about Oklahoma was you'd have the the extreme contrast of the super rich and the super poor, and then in between, um, whether it was the the less affluent trying to measure up with the affluent without the means. Um, Oh, you'd have kind of, you could have over-the-top uh, uh, clothing, say, or haircuts or hats or um, uh, over-the-top. Uh, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, folks in Oklahoma can really dress down because they're salted. The, the one thing about Oklahoma, the friendliest, the friendliest, greatest people, okay, just friendly, good people, good hearts and that type of thing. And, and, but then, uh, you know, uh, some over-the-top something or, uh, you know, maybe whether it's something they fasten to their truck that's unique or uh, I don't know how to call it. But uh, uh, accessories and doodads uh, exist in Oklahoma that are unique, I would say, to most other states. You know, and um, like I'll tell you, if you want to see – some just some interesting captivating stuff because uh, uh, they're like museums a big truck stop in the state of Oklahoma will have stuff that uh, some cases it'll disgust you some cases uh, you'll say oh I have to have it but what are you going to do with it you know but I have to have it well and it'll just be so unique in such a way um, you know uh, when I was in Oklahoma and I got there kind of just after some of this started, but it was still going on. The greatest thing on earth to listen to was R.D. Mercer tapes. There was a guy named R.D. Mercer, a radio figure, and, and I suspect the reason they don't do them now is because, you know, the cat got out of the bag after a while. They got to knowing who the guy was. But this guy would uh, – this radio host would pretend he's R.D. Mercer and do prank phone calls to, uh, you know, various people and set them up and have, you know, lay out some scenario of facts. And, and you know, he'd always, he'd always at some point say, well, how about if I come over there and whip your ass? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, he'd lead into it. Well, how big a boy are you? Well, I can be there in 10 minutes, you know, uh, that type of thing, you know. And, uh are anybody that has not heard R.D. Mercer tapes or recordings, you have to immediately go get them, check them out on the net. Really outstanding, and um, and uh, you know, it just illustrates uh, kind of some of the fun and humor of the state of Oklahoma. 
what when you were uh, when you were in Oklahoma? If you were still in Oklahoma, do you think this is the kind of place you could have found yourself at? You're out on the road recruiting or whatever, and you drive by. Wouldn't it be hard not to go to this random? I'll tell you because I was down and we went to Mexico last year. We've been going to Mexico uh, with the kids like uh, once football season is over, and they have a place down there called Croco Cancun. Right, it's like a crocodile park outside of Cancun, and I posted a video from this thing. And I'm there with my kids. You know, I got three uh, three boys, so they're excited to get to see all the animals and everything else. And there's no way they'd let you do this in America. But you walk through the uh, Croco Cancun, and these are crocodiles, not alligators. And they just let you walk through this walkway, and there are crocodiles everywhere, right? In America, they would never let you do this, right? And you don't. You just got a guy. Well, I say that now. If you go to the Okefenokee Swamp, which I yep. have, because Eldos State was right by the Okefenokee Swamp, yeah, you'll get really close to some just monster alligator. You've done that? You've been out? Have you ever gone yeah. hunting for alligator or anything? No, I always wanted to. Never did. Yeah, I'd like to try it sometime, too. I mean, I, I think it would be terrifying, but I watched the Swamp People show, and I, I thought it would be pretty cool to go out and try to uh, try to hunt for alligators. And uh, I know people that have. Uh, and then I'll tell you the other thing that's crossed my mind, and I don't have a story on it. Somehow I would be surprised. I'd be very surprised, you know, all the people I know in Oklahoma. And hopefully they'll call me and tell me the story. I would be extremely surprised if I don't know somebody that doesn't know Joe Exotic. Oh, yeah. Or that, that hasn't met... Uh, Joe Exotic, um, uh, and um, yeah, I would. Uh, uh, I'll bet somebody has. For all I know, he was an OU booster. I don't know. <laughs> do you think that? Uh, do you think he'll spend the rest of his? What did you think about the, the? We didn't get to see the one thing I wish that we didn't get to see that I felt like was a real hindrance was there was no cameras in the courtroom so we didn't get the opportunity to actually see all of the testimony and see any of the highlights of that they just show the drawings and everything else do you what did you think of the case that the we and again we just saw the sketches and the outline of it but what did you think of the case that the government brought to bear against uh, joe exotic it seemed to me like there were a lot of loopholes it seemed to me like there was a lot of reasonable doubt there It's almost impossible for me to say because, you know, again, there's no evidence. You know, we we really don't know what the evidence was. They gave him 22 years. Don't really know what the evidence was of which he probably won't serve 22 years. Uh, I don't know the exact evidence. It looked like a lot of people turned on him, and some of them, it sounded like, may have embellished their story a little bit. And then the one guy without the legs, they didn't talk to him, and even – uh, he had his legs uh, decorated and accessorized up, and then um, uh, his artificial limbs. And then, um, so I was curious about the case and curious about the facts. I am against cameras in the courtroom. Um, I thought I was in favor of it. You know, when I was initially in law school, I thought I was in favor of cameras in the courtroom. But I think what happens. And courts need to still be, you know, public. Like if you line up at the door and you go, you should be allowed to attend. But when they put them on TV, then there's a certain amount of uh, 
witnesses and judges and attorneys that develop what I call Lance Ito syndrome, where, um, you know, for the OJ trial, where oh, yeah. it became a lot more important to uh, cater to the camera than the uh, uh, the case. And a certain number of witnesses and people ended up in that trial, I believe, um, because they had the opportunity to be on TV without anything really of substance to say. And uh, everybody's trying to respond and behave to the camera, which I don't think is healthy. Uh, another trial back then that was a little like that was the William Kennedy Smith trial, I thought. Oh, the worst of all time, the worst of all time, the Anna Nicole Smith uh, uh, trial. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the judge would start sobbing at the bench. I mean, all the stuff. And he personally wanted to question it. I mean, it's way out of hand. Uh, so we don't know how long Joe Exotic is going to be in uh, in prison. And it's hard, like you said, even you know, from a lawyer perspective or a legal perspective, to figure out exactly what the evidence was. But... If you remember, like, did you watch Making a Murderer back in the day? The one, the other one that kind of caught fire on Netflix about uh, about the people up in Wisconsin. Yes, I did. Uh, so if you remember and then I that, watched the, I watched the Robert Durst one. The Robert Durst one's outstanding too. Yeah, yeah. And if you remember both of those, they basically reignited the legal process completely. And I feel like, to a large extent, that could happen here too. I feel like with Carol Baskin. There's certainly a possibility that this re-energizes effort and energy in trying to figure out what happened to her husband. And I also feel like there are a lot of people who are going to have watched this and found, uh, based on the way that this story was told, that Joe Exotic, they felt like, was kind of the fall guy. Uh, when you look at Jeff and the other kind of shady character whose name I forget, that Jeff's friend that he brought up that ended up testifying against him, it kind of felt like they were setting up Joe Exotic and so it just felt and then the other guy like I thought the funniest scene in the whole place and I'm forgetting this guy's name the uh sort of chunky guy with the the funky haircut who was on the jet ski at the end you know like kind of talking about how Oh yeah up. yeah 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 that's the guy that says you got to be careful of tiger people they'll stab you right in the back yeah Yeah that that guy was I mean it was like Kenny Powers you know riding around on the jet ski there it was almost too much when I watched that I it was in slow motion I mean it was it was an incredibly uh I have no idea where he was riding a jet ski I guess on a lake in Oklahoma maybe we didn't even really find that out uh but I thought that entire process was just utterly uh utterly absurdly hysterical yeah there's a few good lakes in Oklahoma Tin Killer Lake that's a lot of fun uh the uh yeah, I don't. I don't know what lake it was. Very Kenny Powers, sunglasses and all. <laughs> yes. I bet Joe. I bet Joe Exotic would talk to us uh, if we went and met him in, in uh, prison. I'll bet you he'd be happy to talk to us. Oh, I 100 percent would take that trip. And then, uh, I mean, it, you know, you got you got like Carol Baskin with a, you know, the the whole deal on her husband lingering out there. But even even if that may get reignited, and even if she thinks it might get reignited, well, one, I I I, I think she's arrogant enough that she thinks that um, she's untouchable. But then the other thing I think the attention surrounding this thing would be irresistible to her, and no matter what happened, she wouldn't be able to you know she wouldn't be able to 
resist flying into the flame with regard to the attention that's generated by this thing. Oh, I don't have any doubt. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something... I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Clay Travis. This is Wins and Losses. Uh, Mike Leach with us, Mississippi State football coach. We're talking about uh, the new new sweeping sensation viral uh, documentary that is on Netflix, uh, Joe Exotic is the star. Tiger King uh, is the uh, is the show. Um, all right, so a uh, couple of last uh, thoughts here, and there may be other things you wanted to talk about as well. But I jotted down notes as I was watching it. Um, what do you think about the? You mentioned uh, Rick, the the sort of the documentary guy, and how he was kind of the the voice of uh, normalcy in many ways. Rick Kirkham was his name. He was the, he had a great voice, and he was the guy who used to be a reporter. What do you think happened with the burning down of the uh, of the studio and everything that was inside? Uh, you wonder if it was some insurance thing was the first thing that came to my mind. And then they said... Uh, 
we know it was arson. We just don't know who did it. Well, I think we have a pretty good idea who did it. I mean, they were, who controlled everything around there. I mean, I can't yeah. prove it. but I think it was probably like, Joe Exotic. But, yes, uh, even in the video, it looked a little bit like him. And then I guess my final thought is, what and about then he had, there was some there was some dialogue. I can't remember what he said. It's something to the effect of, well, it was mine anyway, or something like that. Or anyway, where uh both with regard to um Carol's uh potentially murdering her husband, there were some foreshadowing type of comments and then same way with burning down that uh that uh that studio. Um, one thing with that reporter, it seems to me that that guy, you know, being a reporter and then uh, having been there and having filmed it and having lived it to a point would probably have some interesting insights, maybe not correct on all of them, but um, if he were to, you know, give what his thoughts were on it, maybe not a hundred percent true, but his thoughts I think would be kind of interesting. No, I think that would be fascinating. And my final thought, I guess, is the guy who filmed this documentary. I don't have any idea. Yeah, we never saw him. We never. Yeah, we saw just him saw him a couple of times. I kind of want to know his story because we know he started off kind of doing a story on exotic animals. Because if you remember early on, there was a, like a, a a leopard, a white leopard, or something like that in the back of a guy's van, and uh, and they had some snakes and everything else. And then somehow that led him to Joe Exotic, which led him into the story of trying to explore these big cat people and why they were such interesting and intriguing characters in their own right. Um, But how did that story kind of come about for him? How many hours did he spend? How many hours was he there? Uh, I mean, this had to be something that he's spending a decade on uh, or or something. Didn't he he say five years? I thought he said five years. Yeah, he might have said five years. But, I mean, the, the amount of footage that he didn't put into this documentary had to be unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine sifting through all that? And, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's something wild every day. And, and these guys and, are all such consummate liars in many ways, right? It's hard to figure out what's true and what's false. All of the detail work... You know, when you hear, oh, this woman killed her husband and, you know, all the background of Joe Exotic and, and the and the guy who's got the, the harem down in South Carolina, Doc. I mean, these people are so incredibly wild and crazy that it's hard to be able to distinguish truth from lie. Uh, and that's ultimately the goal of a documentary filmmaker. I would think that's almost impossible for him. Yeah, and then there were some rare cases on it that um... – they're so insulated within their life, you know, that they've manufactured for themselves that there were some things that, although I don't believe were true, I think uh, occasionally uh, that they thought they were true or had themselves convinced it was true. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I don't think there are any doubts at all. Do you want to do a uh, Do you want to do a lightning round? I could go on social media right now and be like, "Do you have questions for us about Tiger King?" And we could go through lightning round, or if you got time, we we're also good. I think we've all talked about it too. It's your call. Uh, we can do lightning round. All right, let's do lightning round. I'm getting on Twitter right now, and I'm going to say we are currently taping the Tiger King podcast special. What questions do you have for Coach Leach and I? Fire away. Want to make sure we don't miss anything. Drew wants to know, 
Uh, Coach, when are you and Gardner Minshew going to open your own zoo in Florida? I'll tell you, that'd be a fun zoo. And, uh, that'd be a fun zoo. It'd be more like uh, if I were to do something like that, it'd be like a just a cool, a really cool natural habitat that already has a certain amount, um, you know, where they can run wild out there. You know, so you you fence out your house so something doesn't come get you. But, um, you know, you can go kind of safari it out there and uh, check out what's out there, you know, and maybe uh, go camp out there a little bit. If you could have any exotic animal, if you could own any exotic animal yourself, you could have it down in Starkville, which exotic animal do you think you would want? Well... The most exotic I've had is a raccoon, and that would fit in good in Starkville, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's know, not really that yeah. difficult to take care of, right? A raccoon is like, uh, in the grand nah, scheme of things, put, I would imagine you, you would know better than me, but it's not that tough, right? No, nah, you just let them run around with the cats and dogs, and if you want to bring them in the house, you go ahead, and they'll pull all the pots and pans out of the cupboards because they love shiny stuff, and they'll go almost entranced insane with all the shiny pots and pans and they'll clank them all over and and they can get to the top shelf too. make no mistake about that. And then, um, uh, as a kid, I always wanted a chimpanzee. Now I wouldn't want to have the responsibility of taking care of a chimpanzee, but I would be very fun to, to, to know that you have a chimpanzee for a pet, you know, and, uh, you know, your little sidekick, alter ego type of guy. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we got a bunch of questions rolling in. Uh, you can follow, by the way, uh, Mike Leach. Tell him you enjoyed our conversation here at Coach underscore Leach. I'm at Clay Travis. And during the live taping of the podcast here, I, I went on Twitter and asked people. Um, so these are several uh, good questions. Austin wants to know, Coach, which of your former players reminds you the most of Joe Exotic? Have you ever had... Uh, what what player has been the most eccentric or the most interesting or the craziest that you've ever coached? Is there one that comes to mind? I've had a lot of them. I mean, I've I, I, I've I've had a, I've had a lot of them, and everybody is interesting, exotic, charismatic in their own way. I mean, uh, you've already mentioned Gardner, and Gardner's awfully tough to uh, argue with. Uh, Oh, I think Logan Tago is a good one, and well, also Logan Tago and Frankie Louvu, um, just kind of uh, overpowering uh, kind of personalities. Uh, you know, just their general energy for uh, life and things. Um, uh, boy, I've had I've had so many. It's it's hard to you know, and you you, you think uh, kind of one year at a time, and then you think back and go further back and you know there's some uh, there's some even uh, wilder ones um the uh you know j- just guys that are kind of creative that always have something going on i'll tell you a really fun guy that great storyteller hilarious coaches football somewhere there in texas is a guy named bob draper at iowa wesleyan college he was a unique and uh, fun guy to hang out with and uh you know had a had a pickup. He roll into this pickup. Great big guy. Uh, had a very distinct laugh and was always laughing. Uh, had a refrigerator right next to his bed. Um, you know, and uh, has done a good job as a coach down there. And then, uh, I mean, I, I can think of it's almost like if, if you give me a year, I can or a, a season, I can rattle off. Uh, you know, one or two guys, but that, that's the thing about football that's captivating is, um, it's not so much the X's and O's. Those are exciting. Practice is exciting. Big wins are exciting, but the, the contrast and the, the variety of personalities that you get in there that start to reveal themselves and, you know, the discussions you have, I mean, and just kind of the habits are, uh, I mean, they, they stick with you for a long time and you get the opportunity to sample it a lot. Um, a question here. What do you think of Joe Exotic's singing voice, Seth asks? Highly doctored in studio or does he really have, dare I say, a decent voice? I mean, his voice seemed pretty decent, didn't it? Well, everything's the same tune. 
yeah. it would be different words, same tune. I did wonder if he was actually playing the guitar, and I didn't arrive at a conclusion on that. But it didn't look like <clears throat> he didn't play a lot of chords, but it didn't look like his hand at the top of the neck of the guitar was moving much. And then, um, uh, you know, he, he, he had a soothing voice of sorts, kind of a little bit... Uh, 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 redundant. Uh, a lot of them the same tune. I guess I would have liked to have uh, seen a little more contrast to the style of songs, or um, you know uh, what he uh, what he sang. It seemed to me that uh, um, all the same song, different words a lot of times. Uh, Jimmy wants to know what's the best out of date meat to eat out of the Walmart meat barrel uh, if you had to pick. Uh, I would have to think maybe something highly processed like, uh, which I hate salami, but, um, you know, something that's uh, uh, already pretty dry and hard, although they talk about aging beef. If you knew what you were doing there and didn't poison yourself, you might be all right. Uh, uh, I wouldn't mess with fish if I could help it. Um, I don't know, but uh, uh, you sure saw a lot of sausage on those pizzas, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, I don't think there's. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about <laughs> that. I like that the guys had they, their favorite picks about what exactly they would uh, they would choose if they had to uh, if they had to pick. Um, all right, I'm reading a couple more of these. Uh, if you had to pick what Dr. Chris says, if you have to pick one person to vacation with for a month, who do you pick? Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, and her husband, Jeff Lowe, or Doc Antle? This is kind of like uh, F. Mary Kill, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, okay, I don't think there see. are great options here. Let's start with that. I, I think it would be Doc. I think, because uh, see. I think Doc would be a pretty good storyteller. I think uh, he has a lot of adventures in his own right that he can tell you about. And it does seem that uh, um, Doc would spill the beans on everybody else. What about uh, Halloween? These are going to be big Halloween costumes come October. Which of the characters do you think makes the best Halloween costume? Well, for Carol already had him at her a couple's costume, her and her husband. Oh yeah, there's um, no doubt. But that's uh, uh, you know they're playing a little bit different game. It looked to me like than I'd be willing to get into. Um, let's see, Joe Exotic. You have to get a mullet if you go Joe Exotic. Uh, boy, there were some Halloween costumes. So. Um, uh, yeah. Oh well, okay. Maybe the guy on the jet ski. Jet ski, you know, be, you, that'd be a great costume. <laughs> that hair. Yeah, if you if you if you could pull it off, you gotta get the hair right. You gotta get the right mask. You know. Yeah. No, that would be outstanding. Uh, Ricky asks: Has Coach Leach ordered any of the Joe Exotic undergarments for your next post uh, for the next painting that you're going to pose for? I have not. Uh, I have not. They're certainly uh, they're certainly on the list. I mean, who, <laughs> who, 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 who would want uh, 
uh, the trouble with it is, is you don't feel it doesn't feel very authentic because Joe says he doesn't wear underwear. Yeah, right. Uh, but that would be great for your photo. I mean, your your painting if you went with the Joe Exotic underwear for uh, for Mississippi State. Well, at the rate they're just sticking my head on top of other people's photos. I don't think I'm going to have to worry about that very much. Uh, I imagine that'll probably already be taken care of. Um, these are fantastic, by the way, all the, uh, all the questions that are rolling in. Would you, so a lot of people are asking tiger-related questions. Would you go into one of those tiger cages? Like, let's say, and I'm not talking about with, like, the, the, the tiny, you know, like, uh, the, 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 you know, cubs. I'm talking about like the big full-grown tigers. Would you be willing to walk into one of those cages, not by yourself, but with any of the employees, or would you say there's no way? Uh, I'd let the employees go in first, take a lap. I would carefully evaluate whether the employee was slower than I was, and then, um, yeah, I would. I had a, uh, oh, there was a thing I tweeted out uh, on a pasture. The sign on the fence says, uh, don't, uh, don't enter this pasture unless you can make it all the way across in nine seconds because the bull can do it in 10. <laughs> Would you ever run with the bulls in Pamplona, by the way? I've always wanted to. Would you do it if you I'm were over in Spain? Like, you think you're, or would you, I mean, would that be something you'd be willing to try? Uh, yes, I would definitely do it. Um, I would definitely do it. A number of people uh, have my odds of survival are quite high. I would not be, um, you know, back there waving stuff at them, you know, the first layer. Um, and, and those that I've talked to that have done it, um, you know, say if you feel threatened, you, there's kind of a an edge to the thing and you kind of just go to the side and get up there. Um, I've also heard that it's, uh, and I don't know the exact uh, logistics of it, it's a little bit slower process uh, um, than you think. And with that said, um, they say the people out there doing it are hammered and have been up all night. Oh, yeah, there's no Um, doubt about that. Have you ever done it? I I would do it. No, I don't know. I don't know if I would do it now. Your kids are grown, right? So when I think about taking risk now, I think – you know, my kids are so young. I don't want to do something incredibly stupid when I got a five-year-old, but I wouldn't be as, I'm not afraid of doing it when they're, you know, like graduated from high school. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like when you have young kids, your risk tolerance goes down because you're like, hey, I want to make sure that I get them to adulthood. And then once you get them to adulthood, you're like, okay, I can do, you know, I'm pretty good shape now. Well, growing up, I grew up around livestock too, you know. Yeah, so Um, you're familiar with it in Wyoming. Yeah, and so, I mean, it wasn't really running with the bulls, but you're, there's times where you, you end up a little closer to livestock than you'd like, or all of a sudden they start heading one side of the crowd and it gets a little crowded. But, you know, yeah, I would do it. Uh, all right, these are fantastic. I think we knocked uh, almost all of them out. People want to know if you went to the Winniewood Exotic Animal Park, but we already know that uh, that you didn't. I think we talked about that already. Um, and let me just scroll through I, the map. I didn't. I didn't know it was there. Oh, the other, the other curious, interesting thing. One is is that other 
Animal Park Air building, it sounded like they just uh, pulled up stakes and stopped, and who knows where all those animals went. I don't know. Yeah, that's one thing that I had a question about at the end was what happened to all the animals as they uh, as they made the decision. What do you think that somebody said? What do you think the uh, the odds are of uh, of the relationship between Jeff and his uh, his the woman, his wife who was having a baby? What do you think the odds are they stay uh, stay married forever? Uh, initially, I didn't. Say, I, I would have said no, but you know. It, it, I think that you know they were always kind of together. I don't know the backstory or whatever, but uh, uh, to be honest, they did kind of strike me as being into one another. I mean, those Joe's. Uh, uh, sometimes you'd call them wives. Sometimes you'd call them husbands. They seemed a little more uh, at a convenience, uh, just general uh, lifestyle. Uh, his wife actually struck me as kind of into him. I think she was. I think she was kind of buying all the bravado he was selling, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a, I, I don't think there's any doubt at all, Coach. This has been fantastic. Where are you, by the way? What part of the country are you in right now? Well, I'm in Key West. What happened with us was uh, we were in the middle of spring break, anxiously getting ready to start spring ball uh, at the end of spring break, and then they said, "All right, everybody." stay where you're at and extend spring break another week because they weren't they didn't want anybody on campus and and now it's currently extended to uh april 15th so um we've got as many as we can tucked away uh uh doing online uh academics and um you know just kind of waiting for the go-ahead really um we've got a few on campus um uh, you know, one's in the dorm. If they filled out special paperwork and didn't have anywhere else to go, they could stay in the dorm. Uh, we have about 12 in Starkville, and about six of them are from Starkville, and the others uh, just stayed at their apartment because I guess it was better than their home condition. And so uh, things seem to be going smoothly, I mean, relatively speaking. I mean, uh, nobody's uh, really happy about it, but... Uh, Everybody, uh, hopefully everybody, is uh, uh, finding productive ways to use their time and continuing to grow as people, you know. No doubt. And the best way you can grow as a person, sitting around watching seven hours of the Tiger King. Coach, this has been fantastic. We need to do it again sometime soon uh, in the future when you uh, we both watch a show and we both are interested in it. I think people are going to absolutely love this. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed it. I'm Clay Travis. He's Mike Leach, Mississippi State football coach. Go find him on Twitter at Coach underscore Leach. Let him know how much you enjoyed the podcast here. Thanks for all the great questions, uh, and thanks for hanging out with us. This has been Wins and Losses, Tiger King edition. Thanks for hanging. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.